Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change, to navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Thank you, Dennis. What a pleasure to be here. And congratulations for spelling your name correctly. Yeah. With the one N. <laughs> yeah, the one N. So that's pretty cool. We just, listeners, we've been talking about this. So you've got two Dennises on the show here who have got one N in our name rather than two Ns. And, and I was just saying to Dennis here that people ask me that question, why have you only got one N? And I go, well, because two Ns is Dennis the Menace and I'm not Dennis the Menace. And they go, yes, you are. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So it's all good. So, hey, welcome. And I've just given our listeners a brief introduction to you. Tell us a little bit more about your background. Oh, sure. So I grew up in Ireland and I was very lucky to get a great education there, but Ireland was quite a depressed country. And around the time we were graduating, our uh, our university president got up and made a very controversial speech. And he basically said, this country is a mess and it's not your fault. It's your parents' generation's fault. But I encourage all of you to take your great degrees and go overseas and um, get 10, 20 years experience overseas and come back when, when your parents have fixed up the country that they have uh, messed up. So it was very controversial. So I left Ireland amongst, you know, along with about 80% of my class at the time. And I moved to Finland, of all places. It was a really interesting country. And I joined Nokia, which was a very interesting company at the time. And I joined them and just after their CEO committed suicide. And that was formational in my career because Nokia had been biggest company in Finland for 100 years. And and around that time, the USSR collapsed, the Finnish economy went down, Nokia went down, and the CEO committed suicide because it was all really, really, really bleak and tough. And Nokia came out of that and became a global leader in the cell phone business as we as we got to know them and, and the infrastructure business. And I was lucky enough to have joined them at the very bottom of that cycle and stay with them for 15 years and had a fantastic international career and learned so much and saw a lot of the world and discovered New Zealand um, as one of the countries I worked in. And I was very fortunate to have that experience with, with Nokia. Then I settled in New Zealand, and I guess chapter two of my career was setting up Mobile Mentor and building a life in New Zealand. So that's a, a quick snapshot of, of, of my journey and how I got to where I am today. Which part of Ireland are you from? Southwest County Kerry on the coast. Oh, cool. And in New Zealand, whereabouts did you live? In Auckland, well, north of Auckland, um, Tindall's Beach, okay. Tongaparoa. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. My parents yeah. are still up there, my wife's parents, so that's still home base. Oh, that's very cool. So how did you get into leadership? Well, it's funny. I didn't for a long time. And I remember when I was working in Finland back in the early days, I was a 21, 22-year-old engineer in a lab, you know, working with equipment and designing technology and circuitry and working really with, with technology, not with people. And I remember watching the, the leadership team hustling back and forth and on the corridor, going into each other's rooms and having these frenzied conversations and stand-up meetings. And I was used to look at them and say, I wonder what those guys are talking about. 
are they talking about us, the people? Are they <laughs> talking about technology? Are they talking about customers? Mm. Well, what are all these meetings and what are all these conversations and why do they look so stressed? And, and every now and again, there's an outburst of laughter. And it just fascinated me. What are these guys talking about? Because they were not hands-on with the technology like we were you know, in the, engin- in the engineering team. So that got me curious, I guess. And then years later, my boss at the time in New Zealand told me I had a, I had potential to um, get into into leadership and potentially senior leadership. And I thought, really? And that was the first inkling for me to go from technical work, you know, hands on hands on with tools to getting into leadership. So there's more curiosity than anything else. Wow, that's fantastic. Hey, I've got to tell you that I was in Ireland uh, about three, four years ago visiting Microsoft, actually, in, in Dublin and that, and uh, had a great time there. And it was the same week the Pope was coming to visit after so many, many years. And um, so when I got to the airport, I was flying out and the Pope was flying in and got watched him to come in and, and then come off the plane and everything. It was, it was amazing to see what it wow. was. But it was amazing to see what was going on in Ireland and, and how people were reacting to it and how people were. And then the hotel was just full of people, priests, nuns, and so forth. Yeah. And I said to the manager, so how's the bar going this week? He goes, not, not really good this week. It's pretty, it's pretty quiet. <laughs> so uh, it was really amazing um, what was happening there. But, uh, yeah, interesting. And so it's funny how we get into leadership, right? It's funny how we fall into it and what you've just been sharing with us. And, and Dennis, I mean, you may have several people here that you may want to talk about. I'm just going to ask you to think about one in particular. Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? Right now, my favorite leader is Elon Musk. Mm. I'm fascinated by the guy. I used, I, I would have said a few years ago, I would have said, you know, it would be someone like Leonardo da Vinci, whom I've studied and I, I greatly admire. But I, I guess I now see Elon Musk as a modern day da Vinci. I think about the range of ventures and the range of disciplines that he not only tackles, but that he is mastering. And and the fact that he's just so ballsy. I mean, he's got giant kahunas, that guy. He doesn't care what people think about what he says or does. He's just blazing his own trail in a very, very unique way and, and a very unique style, which isn't for everybody. But I look at the success he's having in, in the space industry, in the automotive industry, in the battery industry, now in brain surgery, the, the business um, tunneling under LA, the AI venture. It's just extraordinary, the breadth. So he reminds me a lot of Leonardo da Vinci, who was, you know, very broad for his time. Hmm. Musk is doing that in, in, in a business sense and being successful with each one of those. He's able to find relevance and join them together. And I, I think we will look back at him. You know, right now people are a bit cynical about him because of the way he behaves and some of the things he says and tweets. But if you ignore all that and think about what he has actually achieved and how he has transformed how he is transforming a number of huge industries. It's truly extraordinary. Yeah. And I think, you know, the what you just said about the relevancy of all these different sort of business ventures, ideas, visions, and things like that, and just bringing it all together, that's that's pretty key, right? I mean, do leaders nowadays need to be that kind of person? They don't. I, I think many leaders are very effective when they focus on one discipline and they can be a you know an expert in one industry. Mm. One of my former bosses said to me, nothing beats 10 years working in an industry, in one industry, other than having 20 years in that industry. So that, that depth and focus is what makes most leaders successful. So Elon Musk is, is, is really, really unusual in that he can not just participate in, but actually really understand these diverse industries and master them and then ultimately almost conquer them. Mm. Like you look at what's happened in aerospace. He went into that industry where it was tied up by the Russians and the US doing all the commercial rocket launches. 
and the Chinese to an extent. He's now got 60% of the global contracts, 60%. So he's not just a startup. He's now the dominant player mm. in that space. So, yeah, I find him fascinating. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so do you study him quite a bit and, and, what, do you, do you, and what do you do with that kind of study? you take things away and implement things for yourself or what do you do with that? I study him and I drive one of his products, so I get to experience his deliverable. Oh, you mean um, you mean you drive a rocket? I wish. <laughs> it feels like it. My wife doesn't like the acceleration, but I, I've read a lot about him. I've never met the guy. I'd like to meet him, but I, I'm, I'm fascinated by what he does, what he's what he's written, what he what he says, what he produces. Yeah. Sorry, could you repeat that question again, please, Dennis? I, so, so in other words, I mean, you know, for a lot of us, we, we learn and we go and study people, but some people just don't do anything with it, right? But I'm just, what I'm trying to understand here is when our listeners are thinking about studying other leaders, what should they do with the things that they learn from those other leaders? Should they go and implement things or is it not always things to do or, or what's your thoughts? That's a really interesting one. I don't try and implement what Musk is doing because that would mean I would have to shift my focus away from my business and what I'm doing and try and get into you know get into other things. I don't have the intellect or the capacity or drive or funding that that Musk has. So you know I'm just trying to do one thing well rather than you know six or seven diverse industries. Um, so I, for me it's more an abstract fascination with him right. than somebody whose work I can emulate. If there was somebody whose work I would try and emulate would be somebody more like Satya Nadella. Right. The head From of Microsoft. Microsoft right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the, the way he builds culture, the way he's built a clear mission and a vision and takes people on the journey, the way he engages with his customers, the way he empathizes with the challenges in different industries. He's somebody I would love to you know, emulate and replicate in a small scale of what I can do in my day-to-day -day job. Sure. Love to. I'm also an author of two best-selling books on Amazon. One is Money Secrets, Keys to Smart Investing. Mm. And the other is Retirement Secrets, Keys to Retiring Happy, Healthy, and Free. Wow. Retirement. I, I work with <laughs> quite a lot of people around their career transitions and coaching them in that. And one of the things we talk about is active retirement. Do they, do they want to do something? They go, well, I'm too young for that. What do you mean? I'm not going to retire yet. So that's pretty cool that you've written those two books. What was the process of writing books for you? What was that like? <laughs> you know, when you think about it, many people want to be writers, right? Yeah. Or authors. Yeah. I think all of us are writers in one way or another. But I knew I would be an author for easily 10 plus years before anything materialized. And I realized I was just talking about it and not doing. Mm. And one day I was like, get off your butt and finish this. And so I was supposed to be somewhere traveling and I ended up not going. And at the time we had a tree house in our backyard and I went up to the tree house, brought the electricity through and wrote that first book in five days. In five days? Five days. Now remember, writing is one thing, but getting it to the marketplace is a different. It probably took another year and a half after that before it hit the market. But once I finally set my mind to it, it would just flowed through me. And that was the investment book. That's Money Secrets. Yeah, oh, awesome. And that flow through you. Tell us more about that. What do you, what do you mean by that? Whew. You know, I think getting myself out of the way. Yeah. And Money Secrets, it, it pulls back the curtain on the financial services industry to reveal why smart people make bad investment mistakes. Mm. And so there's evidence, there's research around this, there's data. And so for me to bring in the research and then remove myself from it and actually talk story as it relates to how our firm works 
and how to be successful around how to hire an advisor, how to fire an advisor, what to look for. Because remember, in the nature of financial services, at least in the United States, 90% of them are in sales in the brokerage world. They're not your advocate. And so I, 15 years ago, was on that side of the coin and actually left. I, you know, I was a fish out of water. I have a legal background and a financial background and everything that was in front of me was a disconnect. It didn't resonate with me at all because it was a sales model, the sales funnel. Mm. And so I left and created my own firm and really an independent fiduciary firm where clients truly are first, not last and kind of putting humanity back into the center. And so it's a small giant of a firm that meets the clients where they are and actually takes them through like what you said with retirement. Yep. When do you do it? How do you do it? You could have all the money in the world and have a failed retirement. So the Retirement Secrets book actually is more of a lifestyle book. It's how do you survive and thrive once you step off? So it's really like well-being and other types of things. And that has a lot of client stories in it too, in terms of successes and failures. So I love that book because it's really more personal and lifestyle, not so much, even though money is a little bit of it, more lifestyle. And, and good for you and I, we don't have to worry about that book for many, many years. We've got many, many years ahead of us, which is all good. <laughs> That's exactly right, Dennis. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like what you say about get out of your own way. Because I think even from a leadership perspective, from people in business and whatever they're doing today, in small to large corporates and so forth, they do need to get out of their own way. And I think a lot of people procrastinate in what they're doing. And I think it's really, really important. But I love what you just shared there, how to survive and thrive when you step off the corporate ladder or you're stepping off that rat race, if I want to put it that way, and what we're doing, depending on what you want to do, right? Well, what is your life and what's going on for you? But stepping off and how to survive and thrive. I think that thriving piece is really cool. I mean, you've been working your life. Wasn't it time to go and have some fun and enjoy it? Well, you know, it's really interesting because for many, they're just working for money and they're not doing their passion like you are right now with your podcasting. And so when you finally step off and you have the bandwidth, if done correctly in terms of integrating financial planning with investments, you have the bandwidth to go managing money, no worries, goal setting, no worries, but peace of mind. You got to have it first before you can get to fulfillment if you are looking at a pyramid and fulfillment's at the top of that pyramid. So you may, for the first time in your life, have the bandwidth to actually think about who you are, what's your purpose and passion, and how do you want to take this next 30 years of your life mm. or more? Or more. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, people are living longer, which is definitely happening as well. And okay, good. Good to know. So your business that you talked about there, so you started your own business and so forth. And and so do you have employees today? Do you have a team around you? How big is that? How's that going for you? Yeah. Well, how's it going as we are nearing almost two years of pandemic? You know, it's interesting. It, like I said, we're, we're a forward-thinking boutique firm that's a small giant in the industry in, in the United States. So I have smart, talented people, young people all around me that are easy to adjust and change with what we've gone through in the last 18, 19 months. So for us and for our clients, if you have your technology in place way before the pandemic, that it was easy for us on March 20th to go remote, then all of our energy went to managing our clients. And think of how stressful that was during that time. Their whole world got taken out from under them, not only in the short term regarding their money, but also in the longer term of what does that mean? They can't see their grandchildren or, oh God, there's, well, we, everyone has a story around the loss or the, the expectations that were changed. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was amazing, actually, because so, so just for our listeners, whereabouts are you in the world today? You're in the U.S., is that correct? Yes, I am in the U.S. in the state of Colorado. Yeah, cool, cool. And I'm in New Zealand, so it's amazing how we're doing this. But, you know, even when we're into lockdown too, it was just amazing to see how everyone's going through it. And then, you know, watching some programs that I actually do follow and follow some people around and seeing them doing really well in business and and property and that in the United States. And then all of a sudden, as you said, their world was stopping, things were being pulled underneath them and just like how they freaked out about it or how they handled it. But their, their mindset's really, really positive. Like they're, they're high performers. And then just to see them start to struggle, wobble, I was like, uh oh, here we go. And it came down to, I think, a lot of people going, stop. I need to really think about kind of things I'm getting, media, so forth, and start to think about where I want to go. Otherwise, I'm just it's going to drive me crazy. I'm, I'm going to have problems here. Absolutely. Huge pivot and reset for the lion's share of the world population. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the reason I asked you about the, the company and, and how it's going is how, how did you get into leadership? Yes. So back in the day, Dennis, I actually was a captain of my athletic teams in in high school. And so I actually knew that I could lead and inspire. Mm. So that, that actually came easy, but leadership in terms of stepping in to it, I was the youngest regional vice president uh, for the firm that I worked for prior to finance with my legal background was uh, negotiation and mediation. And I worked for an international dispute resolution firm. Hmm. And surprisingly, they sent me to Salt Lake, which we talked about earlier, to open up a Salt Lake City office. That's where the leadership came in. I was so young. I didn't know what I didn't know. But yet I was the smartest one in the room back in the day on alternative dispute resolution. Wow. So what happened is I became a spokesperson and really was no longer in the settlement conference, right in the in the middle of the action. And so after the, when I was 30, it was like, I got to do something different here. I need more impact. And not that I didn't have it. I was impacting, you know, in that way. But I had a friend that took me through a battery of tests. As a matter of fact, she worked for Hewlett Packard back in the day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And recognized that financial planning was something I would do really well with. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, Dennis, with mediation and negotiation and couples, what do they most argue over or disagree? Money. Uh, Oh, (laughs) not sex. (laughs) Maybe that too. That's funny. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 